I would know everything there was about the guitar. So we started with the most simple things, you know, how you hold a guitar and how you use your right hand to strum and different techniques of strumming and how you hold your left hand. And anybody who's ever learned how to play guitar knows that the, the painful process of developing calluses on your fingers as you're learning to play and then, and then how to take the strings off and put them back on and how to tune the guitar and, and, and she taught me how to read music at 10 years old and how to look at a note on a page and know how that note matched the, the note that was on the, the guitar and so it was, uh, it was a pretty intentional process and, uh, and one that I took guitar lessons all throughout high school and, uh, and, and middle school and, uh, and, and turned out to be able to play fair at best. But as I was thinking about that this week, I thought how that process is not unlike how our culture today is very intentionally teaching us things about how we should respond to what's going on around us. We're not sitting down in a room and we're not paying somebody to teach us these things, but our culture is definitely trying to tune our ears and tune our spirits and tune our responses to the way we deal with our emotions. And that's part of what we've been talking about in this series that we've been in now on the fourth week called Soul Detox, Clean Living in a Contaminated World. Uh, most of what we're sharing in this series is coming from a book and a message series by Pastor Craig Rochelle. And we've had a recurring thought throughout this series, and that thought is this. We're not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. One day our bodies are going to cease existing on this earth, but our souls are going to live somewhere forever. And we talk a lot and we see a lot in our culture and advertisements about how we can take care of our bodies and detox our bodies. But in this series, we've been talking about how we can detox our souls. And so we've gone through talking about the restless soul, the heavy soul. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about the seduced soul. And last week, we talked about the poisonous soul. And there's so much to talk about with the poisonous soul of, of bitterness as we talked about last week, that we couldn't fit it all into one message. So today we're going to talk about two more toxins that poison our soul. But before we do that, I just want to see if you remember what we talked about last week. We said last week when it comes to bitterness that the way we eliminate bitterness from our lives is there's one thing that we can really do. We must extend. Anybody remember? Forgiveness, yes. I heard about four people who remembered the, the message last week. We must extend forgiveness. And we said the only way we're going to get rid of bitterness is we've got to pray. That's the only way. God's got to help us. And we use this acronym of P-R-A-Y where we said we've got to pursue God's help and ask for God's mercy and yield to God's blessings and, and ask for God's blessing and yield to God's word. And, and we said that Getting rid of bitterness in our lives is not an easy thing. I was really blessed last week. I had multiple people on Monday and Tuesday text me or message me and said, just thank you for that message and, and how God really spoke to them through that. And, and I was so encouraged by that. But here's what I know when it comes to bitterness. Sometimes we don't just need to pray once. we got to pray twice. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nine o'clock. Are you all awake? 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? So last week we said, when in doubt, go through one, two, three, four, and then do what? Repeat. We said, repeat that over and over and over until the bitterness, that bitter root is pulled out of your heart. And so if you missed that message last week, um, it's a little bit of a challenge to listen to because it really gets to the heart of some things, but I'd encourage you to go listen to it. Well, today we're going to get after two other toxic emotions in our lives, the toxic emotions of envy and of anger. And so if you have your Bibles or something with your Bible on it, turn to the book of James. We're going to camp out in James this morning as we talk about envy and anger. So first of all, go to James chapter 3. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can open it up this morning. You can follow along with the points and the scriptures as we go today. So let's take a look at James chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading in verse 14. And this is what James says. But if you harbor bitter, bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So in James chapter 1, James talks about anger. And our verse today on anger sounds like this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So let's start this morning by talking about this toxic emotion of envy. All right, you ready? Say, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Someone once said this about envy. Envy is the art of counting the other fellow's blessings instead of your own. If you really want to know what envy is about, that really just breaks it down very simple. To be honest, all of us at one time or another have wanted something that somebody else has that we don't have. Can I get an amen on that this morning? This word envy, it originated from the Latin word invidia, which literally means, watch this, to look upon with malice or resentment. Envy has some close kins like discontentment, dissatisfaction, and covetousness. And all of those are born from the marriage of comparison and resentment. You see, when envy enters our souls, we see what someone else has, and we want it for ourselves. We think that we deserve, if we think we deserve that object more than they do, then Envy will actually develop into jealousy. And so, simply put, in the book, Pastor Craig says this, Envy is when you resent God's goodness in other people's lives and ignore God's goodness in your own life. You got it? So, would you agree that our culture today thrives on a consumer mentality of envying what other people have. Would you agree with that? I think we all see that. And if you don't, I'm going to give you an example this morning. I, when we lived in Virginia Beach about 10 years ago, there was a, a commercial that came on the radio and it came on TV for a car dealership. 
And as I was working on this this week, I remembered that commercial, and I actually found it. Do you want to see it? All right. Man, y'all are sleepy this morning. Can, you, can y'all give me some more house lights? Something is messed up with our lights this morning, and I can't hardly see you. So I need more house lights, so that's going to wake you up. There we go. All right. Our lights are jacked up today. They're not, however we normally have them set, they're not right. But we're going to be okay. All right? So here we go. Check out this commercial. How many of you didn't know that you could have it all? I remember seeing that commercial 10 years ago, and I thought, wow, I didn't know I could have it all. I don't know if you called it at the very beginning of the commercial. At the car dealership, they're giving out manicures. What, what's that about? You know, they, there's balloons. There's happiness. Hey, if anybody's bought, maybe it's because this was 10 years ago. If anybody's bought a car right now, you know you can have it all. High interest rate and an overpriced car, Right. But our culture today, that's what our culture tells us, right? It says you can have it all. And really, if you take every ad that you watch and every commercial that you saw to heart, you would be miserable. Am I right? Because you would would think, man, I don't have anything. You would have no moment of satisfaction. Let's think for a minute today about how envy shows up in so many different ways. First of all, we have what we'll call technology envy, all right? Has this ever happened to you before? You get a brand new phone, a brand new TV, a brand new laptop, and somebody you know shows up within 24 hours with one that's newer than yours. No lie, when I got my first big screen, flat screen TV, 55 inch, within a few months, one of my best friends went and got him a 65 inch, just so he could say he had one that was bigger than mine. So, so we have technology envy. We have appearance envy. We don't want to admit this, but we look at each other and we compare ourselves to somebody else and we think, man, I wish I had their figure, I wish I had their hair, I wish I had their looks or whatever it might be. And then we have materialistic envy. We, we, I call this the big boy toys envy, okay? We always want a bigger truck, a bigger boat. We want a bigger and better vacation, whatever it might be. And, and sometimes, let's admit it, we can have marriage envy okay nobody's going to admit that I know but one spouse looks at somebody else's spouse and they think man I wish I wish my husband dressed and looked and took care of himself as much as that guy did and and some guy looks at some other guy's wife and he says I wish she uh, took after I wish my wife looked after me the way she looks after her husband it can go on and on and on we we can have church envy we can say, well, why didn't I get that solo? And why, didn't, why wasn't I asked to teach that class? And why didn't the pastor talk to me today? Envy grows up in a lot of ways. You know what I envy? I envy all of y'all. Because you have off every weekend. I work every Sunday of the year except three. So really what it comes down to, we all can find something in someone 
to be envious of. Pastor Craig says this about envy. Allowing envy in your heart is like planting nuclear waste in your flower bed. How's that for an example? So let's go back to our verse on envy. James says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom is not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Okay, go back to that previous screen. I, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, envy? Watch the progress of envy. It's earthly. It's unspiritual. And look at this, y'all. It's demonic? Really? What, how in the world can something as, as, as little as wishing I had something like my friend has be demonic? Well, look what he says. He says, for where you have envy... Where you have selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. It's like if envy is in our hearts, then there's so many other things that can grow out of it. Okay, watch this. All throughout Scripture, we have examples of, of envious situations. You have Cain who envied his brother Abel. You have Rachel who envied Leah, and then Leah winds up uh, envying Rachel. You have Joseph's brothers who envied him and sold him uh, to Egypt. You have King Saul who envied David. You even have the chief priests and religious leaders of Jesus' day who envied him so much they had him killed. And when you consider the toxic behaviors and emotions that resulted from that list that's on the screen, guess what happened as a result? We've got jealousy, murder, rage, bitterness, betrayal, hatred, and heart-wrenching grief, all because of envy. The proverb says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body. Okay, think about that. When your heart and your spirit and your soul is at peace, every part of you feels like it has life, right? You, you, you feel good. You think good. You're, there's a pep in your step. You feel positive about life. But Solomon said envy rots to the bones, so when we're always comparing ourselves with somebody else, what envy does, envy gets inside of us. And if it's a bone issue, what we're saying is from the inside out, it just makes us rotten. Socrates, who was this famous philosopher a few hundred years before Jesus, said this, Envy is the daughter of pride, the author of murder and revenge, the perpetual tormentor of virtue, Envy is the filthy slime of the soul, a venom, a poison which consumes the flesh and dries up the bones. Okay, so we've established that envy is not a good thing. So what do we do with envy? If envy poisons our souls, then what's the antidote for envy? You know, if you've watched a movie and somebody's sick or a TV series... What are, they, what are they looking to find to fix that situation? They need to find the antidote, that medicine or that remedy that will cure and take care of the poison. So if our souls are poisoned with envy, what's the antidote? Okay, here's four things that you can do. Number one, stop comparing. Stop comparing your life to everybody else. Everybody say, just stop it. Just stop it. Just stop 
comparing. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. He says, when people measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not what, y'all? Just not wise to keep doing this. So don't compare your situation to somebody else's. We do this all the time. We say, well, they have a nicer car, but I have a nicer house. Their kids are dressed nicer than mine, but at least mine behave better and have better grades. Well, they went on a better vacation than we did this year, but last year we topped them. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning in the 9 o'clock service, okay? Yeah, we, we do this, right? Nobody's going to be honest this morning, but about three people who are nodding their head. But I know I'm right up in your stuff this morning, okay? But this is where we live, right? But here's the good news about this. This happened with Jesus' 12 disciples. Two of them James and John, the brothers, their mom came to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, can, can our, my sons have the, the right and the left hand seat with you in heaven? They were already jockeying for position. Even after Jesus had been raised from the dead, he's walking on the beach with Peter. He's having this, this major moment in the life of Peter where he's restoring him back to ministry. One of the most beautiful stories in all of Scripture. And instead of Peter listening to the words that Jesus is telling him, he has in his rearview mirror, he sees John. And John's walking a few feet behind him. And he says, that's great. It's like he looks at Jesus and says, that's great, Jesus. All this cool stuff you're saying that you're still going to use me after I've failed. But what about him? And Jesus says, what's that to you? Essentially, what Jesus said is what we preached a few months ago. Jesus said, stay in your lane, Peter. Stay in your lane. John's got a lane, and you've got a lane. Stay in your lane. So that's the first thing we've got to do to get rid of envy. We've got to stay in our lane, stop comparing ourselves to everybody else. The second thing is we've got to test ourselves. We've got to be able to do what Michael Jackson told us to do in the 80s. Remember this? He says, I'm starting with the, the man in the mirror, okay? I'm asking him to make the change. So we've got to test ourselves. Galatians says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Look at the man in the mirror. Look at the woman in the mirror. And see what changes need to be made in you. Test yourself. Then here's the third thing. Rejoice with others. When somebody else gets something new, then you rejoice with that person. Man, you guys went on an awesome vacation. I saw your pictures on Facebook. Man, that's awesome. Hey, man, I saw you got a new truck. Man, that's, that's great. I, hey, I, saw, I heard about your new job. That's fantastic. Man, I see how God's uh, opened this door for your, for your child to get into this school and they got their way paid. Man, that's great. Rejoice with others. The scripture says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That will help us to get some of this toxic envy out of our souls. So we stop comparing, we test ourselves, we rejoice with others, and finally we just do this. We just got to be thankful. We got to be thankful for what God has blessed us with. First Thessalonians says, rejoice always, pray continually, say it with me, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So instead of 
always looking at what everybody else has. Be thankful for what you have. Amen? You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for my minivan that I drive. It's been paid for for three years. And two years ago, when, uh, when Tressa transferred the van over to me and we got her something else to drive, I renamed it. It's now called the man van. And you know what? I drive around with the man van and Randy, I got I to gotta deal with it, man. Every day I pull up and that Ford F-150 pulls up beside me. And it's white and it's red and it's blue. And I don't care if it was what color, if it was rainbow colored. I'm looking at it thinking, man, I'd love to have me a truck. And then I look at my Dodge Grand Caravan, the man van that's paid for, that has 247,000 miles on it. You better believe the hand of God's on that vehicle. And I keep praying over it. Like Moses and, and the children and the Israel the, 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 in the desert, the shoes and the clothes, I said, Lord, just let it not, never wear out. As long as you keep it not wearing out, I'll drive it. Because I know what that guy at the stoplight's got that I don't have. An $800 a month payment, a high interest rate, and a lot of insurance to pay on that truck. And I'm like, beep, beep. I have three kids. I'm confident in my masculinity in the man van. And I just tap my, my man van on the dash and say, praise God for the man van. So stop comparing. Test yourself. Rejoice in others. Be thankful. So last week, I want to see if you can figure out this answer before I give it to you. Last week, we said, really, when it comes down to it, if we're going to get rid of bitterness in our lives, it all comes down to one word. And we said last week, that one word was what? forgiveness. If I'm going to get rid of bitterness, I've got to insert forgiveness. So what do you think the one word is for envy? If I am going to eliminate envy from my life, the one way I do it, there it is, I heard it, thankfulness. That's it. The cure for the, the poison of envy in my life, if I deal with that in any way, is to say, God, I'm thankful for what I have. Amen? Is that good or what? Is that going to help you? It's going to help you, okay? And we're six weeks away from Thanksgiving, okay? So you're getting a little early taste of Thanksgiving. doesn't smell like turkey in here, but you get the point. Okay, so there we go. Envy, all right? You ready to talk about anger? Yeah. Probably not. Here we go. Let's talk about anger this morning. Look at what Mark Twain said about anger. Anger is the acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it's poured. Man, that's good. Haven't you found that to be true in your life when it comes to anger? So let me ask you this morning, what do you get mad about? What, what fires you up? What do you get angry about? I think really when it comes to anger, there's two things that we get mad about. There's the big things and there's the small things. We're not on anger and fire yet. Y'all can go back one step. There's the, there's the big things about anger and there's the small things about anger, Okay. We get upset about small things like traffic, right? Okay, anybody say, that's mine, Pastor. Traffic makes me angry. Hey, can I tell you, yesterday I made somebody so mad in traffic, they got out of their vehicle and, and started screaming at me. I was like, what? I mean, and I don't know if anybody went to Pooler yesterday, but if you didn't go to Pooler, you were the only person from Effingham who didn't go. Because everybody was in Pooler yesterday. I think two days 
being shut in, everybody was in pooler. So after a little bit, I just started talking to myself. I know what I'm preaching on tomorrow, so just relax. There's a lot of people here. Be patient. And so we were on the way home, and I was in this, this lane, and I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking. There was a ton of traffic, and I, I wasn't doing anything illegal, but I was blocking where one person could turn here and come into a shopping center. I was in a lane of traffic to turn left, and I just happened to be in that space. Usually I try to give people space, but there was so much traffic, I, I wasn't thinking about it. And so as we're waiting at this light, there's a person who's here waiting, and they weren't beeping their horn or anything, but the person in front of me decided, she decided she would open her door, get out, and just give me a lecture about how to drive. And she's screaming and yelling and pointing at this person in the truck and telling me I should give them space. And I'm looking at Tressa, and I just went, I'm sorry. And I used all my fingers. I want you to know it was, it was this. I said, I'm sorry. And I thought, man, what kind of day are you having that you think you're the police that you've got to get out? I'm like, okay, I, I don't, that person's not here this morning, but maybe they'll hear this message, okay, or something about anger. What else makes us angry? How about rudeness? Rudeness when you're in a restaurant or somewhere and you expect someone to, who's there to serve you in, in whatever capacity is, and they're rude, and, and it really gets you frustrated. What about a coworker who takes credit for your work? That, that kind of gets under your skin, doesn't it? What about wives when you've been talking to your husband? For years you've been married, and he still leaves his underwear in the floor. Does that get on your nerves, wives, or whatever it might be? Men, for you, your wife still puts the toilet paper on backwards, not underneath. The proverb literally says, it's in the Bible, it goes over the top, right? I mean, it's those, it's those little things that make us, do you realize I just got more response in this message over toilet paper? <laughs> Y'all, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Rinkin, we have a problem. But you get what I'm saying, okay? And then, if that's not enough, the real reason why we're so quiet at 9 o'clock this morning is because we were up till 11 o'clock trying to pull the bulldogs through. What was that? The Braves are taking care of business. No problem. Man, we got it. And the bulldogs look like they never held a football last night. And I'm sitting there, and I'm screaming and yelling along with Brock. And Tressa's like, well, you know what you're preaching in the morning. I said, I know, I know. Be the first one in the altar. These are the little things, Right? But then there's the big things that make us angry and frustrated. Poverty, human trafficking, natural disasters, a lack of morality in our culture, politics. And between all of those ball games, my goodness, did, did you get enough commercials last night for, for politics? Anybody? Golly, I'm like, grow up. Just let us vote and let's get it over with. You see, I'm, I'm angry just thinking about it. Racial division, wokeism. Wokeism is what makes me frustrated. But watch this. In 15 different instances, here it is, the Bible mentions both the word anger and fire in the same verse. Now this comparison is not only dramatic and colorful, but it's really revealing about the qualities of this emotion. So watch this. Fire, when it's contained is a gift. 
It brings life. It brings warmth. You can cook with it. You illuminate the dark with it. You can light a scented fall candle with it. And all the women are like, hey, I'm awake now. Scented fall candle where? (laughs) But fire, when it's out of control, think about it. It destroys everything. Something that took years to build or years to grow can be consumed in a matter of minutes with fire. Pastor Craig says this, like fire, our anger can be used constructively or destructively. So think about this. As a catalyst for justice and the pursuit of God's righteousness, anger can cleanse, restore, or unite. If we allow our anger to rage out of control in conjunction with our desires and frustrations and grievances, it can cause us to hurt others and hurt ourselves. Our anger can reflect God's character or it can distance ourselves from him. It can invite God's spirit in our lives to examine a hard truth like what we're doing this morning. Or anger can become an, uh, an invitation to an unwanted house guest. What do you mean by that? Well, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you invited the devil into your heart for a sleepover? Sounds like a weird question, doesn't it? But look what Paul says in Ephesians 4. He says, in your anger, do not sin. So he's like, there can be a place where there's anger without sin. Do you see that? He says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So again, just like fire, there are two types of anger. There's the good type of anger that we might call sanctified or righteous anger. It's a powerful emotion when we get upset about something that we know affronts God, something that opposes his truth, like like the frustration that we have, the anger we have with, with wokeism in our country. It's the kind of anger that will lead us to take a stand and to speak the truth and and express how we feel in a way that accurately reflects God's heart. That's good anger, but then there's bad anger. And this is when we lose control of our emotions. We take a situation into our own hands. Sinful anger, listen, is getting angry at something, maybe even something legitimate, something that also angers God, but then Allowing that anger to lead us to do the wrong thing. Now look at this verse, the second part of it. Paul says, do not let the sun go down while you are angry. So he's telling us here, you got to deal with your anger. You've got to deal with it. Because if you keep going to bed on it, and you keep putting it on the shelf night after night after night, it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So first of all, he says, don't let the sun go down. Deal with it and do not give the devil a foothold. Now look at this. The Greek word here for the word foothold is the word topos, which means opportunity or location. It could be place, portion, or space marked off. So what Paul was saying here, he's saying that when we don't deal with anger in our lives, it's like we're setting up a room in our hearts and allowing the enemy to live there. We're we're creating some space And we're saying, I'm going to allow the enemy to live in this space, in this place. I'm going to give him an opportunity to have a foothold in my life. Pastor Kevin's been talking about this on Wednesday night with the youth. Having a seat at the table. Do you allow the enemy to have a seat 
at the table. And anger allows the enemy to have a seat at our table. So when you have anger, how does your anger manifest itself? Well, there's two ways it could manifest itself. You could be a spewer or a stewer. Look at that and and figure out which one you think you might be before I describe those today. A, A spewer or a stewer. A spewer has a short fuse, a hot temper. When they get angry, everybody around them knows that they're angry. Proverbs 14, 17 says, A quick-tempered person does foolish things, and the one who devises evil schemes is hated. Proverbs 29 says, Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. The Bible says those who spew out their anger are fools. Maybe you're not a spewer, but you're a stewer. A stewer is someone who bottles up their anger. They may not explode or lash out, but your anger is still there. And instead of it being like a volcano, it's more like a wildfire that hides behind the tree line, just kind of waiting to take over everything. Sparks of anger can come out by, if you're a stewer, by stuff like rolling your eyes or being sarcastic holding a grudge, looking for an opportunity for payback, being judgmental or hypercritical. David was a steward. He said this, when I kept silent, Psalm 32, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. See, stewards don't talk about things in an open, healthy way, but they keep a lid on it. They're like a pressure cooker or a crock pot, and it keeps... keeps growing and it keeps burning and it keeps stewing and getting hot and 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 they just they don't forget it they they hold on to the record of however they've been wronged but we know in first corinthians 13 paul tells us that one of the the fruit of the spirit love if we're going to love people love keeps no record of wrongs Stewards stew on the way other people have, have, have wronged them. But here's the thing, okay? You'll like this. Whether you're a stewer or a spewer, you're likely to end up in the sewer <laughs> unless you control your response to anger and express it productively. If your anger is causing you to sin, either inside your heart or with external behavior, you got to put a fire extinguisher on it. Proverbs says... Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Eventually, the dam is going to burst, and it's going to destroy everything in its path. Now, somebody is probably sitting here saying, or listening to this and saying, well, Pastor Les, you just don't know. I'm I'm just mad. I'm just angry. I come from a family of people who are angry. My dad was angry. My granddad was angry, and it's just how we express things. We're just, it's just how I get it out. It's just the way I am. My family's just angry. So let me ask you this question. Let's follow this scenario. Let's say I asked Tressa to go out, and, and let's go to the beach one day. And we're walking on the beach, and we're holding hands, and the ocean's over here and the beach is over here. And we're holding hands and we're walking and we're talking. And she's talking to me about something, about the life or the kids or the waves or whatever. And as we're walking, I'm just, my head's right here the whole way. Anybody know what I'm doing? 
I'm praying for all the people who are half naked. Right? <laughs> she catches me. What are you doing? She catches me again. What are you doing? And I just say, that's just the way I am, baby. I just like to look at women. I, I like to look at women who, I'm just attracted to women. It's just the way God made me. I, I'm just, I'm just going to look. I, and I'm sorry, but it's just the way I am. Would that fly? She would probably cut me up and use me for fish bait right there on the beach. I'd be a dead man walking. That doesn't, it doesn't work because it just, it doesn't make sense. It's kind of like this meme that we've seen for years, okay? You've seen this when anybody on social media has seen this meme, okay? This guy ain't going to get away. Anybody seen this meme? You know what I'm talking about? Usually has little words in, in front of it. This guy's not going to get away with this, is he? You can't get away, folks, by just saying, well, that's just the way I am. Because here's the truth. Your anger, my anger, will not fulfill what God desires. You can say it's in my DNA. Hey, guess what? Sin is in all of our DNAs. That was a good place to say amen. And whether it manifests itself through lust or anger or lying or whatever it is, the Scripture says it's to die, right? Right? So how do we kill anger in our lives? All right, here's the answer. We read it a while ago. James 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm about to help you right now. I'm about to help your marriage right now. I'm about to help you on your job. I'm about to help you with your family. The word really is about to help you, okay? Because this is some of the absolute best relationship advice you'll ever read in Scripture right here. And right here we've got the points for how we're going to wrap up this idea about anger. So what's the antidote for anger? How do we get rid of it? Number one, be quick to listen. That's what the Scripture says. Be quick to listen. Your first response should be to listen. Everybody say zip it. Close your mouth and open your ears. Sounds like something that somebody's mama or grandmama might say, right? Be quick to listen. And watch this. Don't be just quick to listen to your spouse or your children or your boss or your family or the situation. This is going to help you. Be quick to listen to yourself. Have you ever just, ah, you let it fly and then you stop and think about everything you just did and you're like... That was, that was wrong. That was embarrassing. I'm sorry. And you have to back it up. Anybody ever have to do that in 9 o'clock? Yeah. So be quick to listen. All right? Number two, be slow to speak. So I'm, a, I'm not going to unleash my anger. I'm going to listen first. And then I'm going to be slow to speak. I'm going to process before thinking. This is a fruit of the Spirit. It's called self-control. Self-control says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. I'm going to think through it before I speak. So quick to listen, slow to speak. You know the next one in the verse. Slow to become angry. Don't jump straight to being angry. Woman who was in the car in front of me yesterday jumped straight to being angry. For whatever reason, I have no idea. But she jumped straight to being angry and jumped straight out of her car and turned around and just, ah. I just let me have it. 
And that's how some people are. And that's probably how some of you are. Don't be angry and throw anything at me. But sometimes we jump straight to being angry, okay? So be, be slow to become angry. Back it up. And by the time you get to point three, if you've listened and you're waiting to respond, hey, the only way you can do this, angry folks, is through the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. And the Holy Spirit is, is the best friend you can have to help you do this. And here's the last antidote. And this isn't in the verse but I can give you a verse for it. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, and be reminded of God's love. Seven different books of the Bible all mention the same character attribute of God, that God is slow to anger. Look at Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Say it with me, church. Slow to anger and rich in love. Say that again. Slow to anger and rich in love. Give me some background music, guys, please. So the antidote to anger, repeat after me. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to becoming angry. And be reminded of God's love. So how do we eliminate, and we'll see if you've been remembering. Last week, one word. How do we eliminate bitterness? Through what? Forgiveness, very good, all right? Everybody gets an A. How do we eliminate envy through what? Thankfulness. Man, you guys are making me proud today. Here's the way we eliminate anger. And it's one that you probably wouldn't think of, but it's simply thoughtfulness. When I think about thoughtfulness, I, I think about it more like somebody did something for somebody else and you're like, well, man, that was thoughtful of them to bring them lunch or get them flowers or take care of a bill for them, thoughtfulness. But thoughtfulness also means that if I am quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry and reminded of God's love, guess what? I'm being thoughtful. I'm thinking through those things, okay? So how do we eliminate anger from our lives? Thoughtfulness. So let me finish with this thought today. Last week, we talked about that ad from the CDC, the, the, the smoking ad. Remember we talked about the ad that says, what if smoking did to you on the outside, what it does to you on the inside? Well, there's another ad that, that the, CDD, the CDC has about smoking, and it's this. Quitting is hard, not quitting is harder. That's pretty good. And I think the same applies to the toxic emotions that we have in our lives if we're going to detox our soul listen it's hard to get rid of bitterness it is it's hard to get rid of envy in our lives it will take some work and prayer for you to pull up at that stoplight and not envy, to drive past somebody's house in your neighborhood and not envy their new boat, to not envy their spouse, whatever it might be. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some work. It's going to be hard to, to get over that anger to immediately responding to be angry or, or letting all the little things get on your nerves and drive you crazy. But the same thing that's true when it comes to that. Quitting is hard and not quitting is harder is true for us. It's hard, but it's worth it. 
and allowing those poisons of bitterness and envy and anger to live in our lives, if we allow them to live and fester and grow inside of our lives, guess what? Life's going to be a lot harder. So why don't we eliminate those from our lives and allow our souls to be detoxified from those things? As the worship team comes in and we get ready to finish up, let's look at these again on the screen together. How do we eliminate bitterness from our soul? Forgiveness. How do we eliminate envy from our souls? How do we eliminate anger from our souls? Thoughtfulness. Let's stand together this morning. And I want to ask everybody that can and will to join me for prayer this morning. Will you all come together and just come as close as you possibly can? We've got a great crowd this morning at 9 o'clock. And I want to lead you in a prayer together as you guys transition to that song. We're going to close out with a song here together. But I want us to come together this morning and, and pray together before we go. Everybody come up just as close as you can. And... Um, we're going to close out together today in, in prayer. So let's start today with envy. Let's look at that antidote for envy one more time on the screen. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer today. And I want to ask you to, to pray this over your life today. God, I'm asking you and inviting you to help me today. I'm inviting you into my life today to help me to stop comparing, to, to look in the mirror, to test myself, to rejoice with others, and to be thankful. All right? Anybody hit today with envy and say, I, I need to pray about this. Just give me a, like a halfway nod. All right. All right. That, that's, that's everybody. All right. The rest of you are lying. Yep. We all need to pray about this, right? And God's the only one that can help us, right? So let's bow our heads this morning. Lord, today I pray over my church family today, over my friends over your people today. And Lord, we come to you today and we confess, Lord, the sin of envy. God, our culture programs us this way. Our sin nature leads us this way. And today we confess today this before you that this is sin and it's not right. So today we ask you, Lord, to empower us to stop comparing ourselves with everybody else. God, help us, Lord, to look in the mirror and test ourselves and see where those areas are where we're constantly dealing with envy. God, help us to be able to genuinely rejoice with other people. And Lord, help us to be thankful for all we have. Lord, I pray that when that bitter root of envy would come up and try to come up in our minds or our spirits that Lord we would propel that with the antidote of thankfulness 
And Lord, we would, we would stop it in its tracks before we compare. And Lord, we would say and rejoice about how much we have to be thankful for. So church family, as we finish this prayer here for just a few seconds before we pray for anger, will you just give God thanks for all he's done in your life? Will you just take a minute to run a list and say, Lord, I, I can't be envious because of all that you've done for me. Thank him for your health. Thank Him for His provision. Thank Him for your job. Thank Him for your children and your grandchildren. Thank Him that He saved you and redeemed you. Thank you that you're not who you used to be, but you're a new creation in Christ. Thank Him that you're growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Thank Him for all that He's done, all the way He's provided. Thank Him that you're more blessed than you deserve to be. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your grace. And God, help us to combat envy in our hearts with a heart of thankfulness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's open our eyes and look at anger this morning. How are we going to pray about anger today? The antidote for anger is to be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to become angry. Be reminded of God's love. Again, the only way this is going to happen, because for so many of us, this is such a, it's, it's an immediate response. We're, it's so ingrained in us to respond a certain way. So what we've got to do right now is we've got to be willing to invite the Holy Spirit to lay the smack down on us when we get out of line. And how many of you know when you invite him to do that, he'll do it. Be careful what you pray for. He'll hit that atomic elbow, man. He'll, he'll get you in line, okay? So are we ready to pray about anger? Where's all the angry people at? All right, here we go. We're going to lay it before him today, all right? Here we go. Lord, we recognize today from your word that you've told us, Lord, that this anger that's in our lives, whether it's the small things or the big things, Lord, if it's boulders and truckloads of anger that we've carried for years, Lord, we want to leave out of here as we did last week, leaving our anger as we left our bitterness. So Lord, today we want to pray your word of what you say to us, Lord. We ask you, God, that when it comes to anger, help us to be quick to listen. God, help us to close our mouths and open our ears. God, help us to listen to our spouse. Help us to be better listeners to our children. Help us to be better listeners to the people in our lives. Help our first response not to be to speak and help us to listen to ourselves. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be slow to speak. Pray that over your life. God, Holy Spirit, help me to be slow to speak. Lord, help me to stop before I speak. Holy Spirit, put a check in our hearts before we speak. Holy Spirit, help us to be slow to become angry. Lord, instead of that being our first response, God, Lord, help us to back that up. And Lord, finally, help us to be reminded of your love that God, we serve a God and we have a Father who is slow to anger and abounding in love. And we give you praise for that today. And we give you thanks for that today. In Jesus' name. Let's sing a verse and a chorus of this song before we go today. I love you, Lord. Come on. I love you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up 
Until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every of the goodness of God. Let's sing that chorus one more time. With all my breath, all my life. And all my life you have been faithful. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will see of the goodness of God. Here we go. Last screen. Let's say this together. I cannot, you guys find that last one. I cannot be bitter. It'll take them a second. They're, they got a lot of balls in the air back there. Let's say this together. I cannot be bitter because of the forgiveness of God. I cannot be envious because of the blessings of God. And I cannot be angry because of the love of God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this word in our hearts. And Lord, as those situations come up this week, as bitterness, envy, and anger, those toxic emotions try to have a place in our hearts, we pray, Holy Spirit, that through your power and your strength, we begin to see our soul detox of those and become healthy and strong in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in worship today. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you back Wednesday night.